You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Full and Thriving Podcast. I'm so excited today because I have a very special guest. Her name is Meg Dahl, and she is an amazing coach. She is a spiritual coach. She's a holistic health coach. She is also an amazing human being overall, and she's really special because she's actually recovered from an eating disorder herself. So, Meg, welcome so much to the show. Hey, Meg. Thank you for that amazing intro. Thanks. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm sure that everyone here is so excited to hear what we have to talk about today. I mentioned it today on my Instagram that we're going to be talking about inner child work and how to connect with your inner child and heal your inner child. And before we dive into that, I would just love to have you share with everyone listening a little bit about your background. Yeah, for sure. So... I'm Meg Dahl, and as you mentioned, I have recovered from an eating disorder, but actually multiple eating disorders. So (laughs) when I was 10 years old, I was first diagnosed with anorexia after experiencing a loss in my family. So it was like the first family member or close family member to pass away, and I was 10 years old, and I was also dealing with stomach issues at the time and you know looking back on it now it's just kind of like which came first the stomach issues or me not knowing how to cope with this death in my family but anyways fast forward i was really struggling with anorexia and because i was so young i was actually able to overcome that eating disorder within the year, right? So I was dealing with it throughout grade five, throughout the summer is when I really recovered. And I went back to school in grade six, and I was a very healthy and thriving preteen. And things stayed that way until my early years in high school. That is, again, when I lost another very close family member. My grandfather passed away when I was 15, so five years later. And because I never resolved that inner stuff that we'll be talking about later, I went back to my old ways without knowing it. I went back to my old ways of coping with this death and again, it manifested in an eating disorder. And I was diagnosed with anorexia again after 
many, many months of feeling like I was, well, I was in complete denial that I had another eating disorder. And this eating disorder, the second one, like I said, it was anorexia again, but it really had like a stronger hold on me Mm. because I was more independent. I mean, there's such a huge difference between being 10 years old with an eating disorder and 15 years old with an eating disorder. There's such a huge difference because when you're 15, you have so much more independence than you did when you were 10. When I was 10 years old, I was largely relying on my mom and dad still. Not that I wasn't when I was 15, but when I was 15, I had access to the internet and I had my driver's license, you know, things like that. And you just have more independence. Mm -hmm. So when I was 15, I really struggled with that eating disorder and it really stayed with me for many years. And I kind of like overcame anorexia. And when I was going to university, living away from my family, I was definitely healthy enough to move away. But then things started to morph into orthorexia. And I dealt with orthorexia unknowingly for several years of my life as well. But I was able to fully recover when I discovered holistic nutrition and decided that, you know, dealing with all of those food issues that I had been dealing with, I just, I was over it. You know, I, I was so done living my life, feeling very trapped and like I wanted to get out, but didn't know how to get out. Right. And I kind of just started this journey and I didn't really know exactly what this journey was, but now looking back on it, it was just like this amazing journey of learning how to love myself again. And it started off by me just completely letting go of all of those silly, silly rules that I had been holding on to and making it really simple for myself. Because I think for those of us struggling with eating disorders, we make things really, really complicated, right? Mm -hmm. I I had so many rules, so many rules, and that's what makes us feel so trapped. And I just thought, okay, like, I know how I want to feel, but following all of these rules, I don't actually feel this way, you know? Mm. And so I was like, okay, well, what if I just made things super simple for myself? Like, if I want to feel happy, why don't I just like base everything I do off of whether or not it's going to make me happy or not, right? Because following all of those eating disorder, orthorexic rules I had for myself really was leading me farther and farther away from feeling happy. And that was just a moment of clarity for myself. And in that moment, I really realized that I wasn't living in alignment. And something that's always been really important to me, like before I really even knew what alignment was, you know, was living in alignment with, you know, my truth and what I truly do want and value and things like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's exactly the point in my life where everything started to change for me when I made that decision to just let go of those rules 
and start committing to just choosing things that simply made me happy, right? And it sounds so simple, but honestly, that was like my ticket to start paving the way to where I am today. Wow. I so love that because sometimes we do overcomplicate recovery and people just assume it's going to be this really complicated struggle the whole time. And for you, it really was a matter of deciding that you're going to start putting your happiness first, which is so cool. And also this idea of living in alignment. And I was just wondering if you could explain to those listening what it looks like to be living in alignment, just for those who might not be up on the the know. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think that's such a great question. But I think the answer like is going to be different for everyone, right? Because what my alignment and what feels to be in alignment for myself is actually going to look different than what feels to be in alignment for you, right? Like we all have different desires. We literally all have like a different blueprint for our life ahead of us. So what feels in alignment for me is definitely going to feel different for everyone listening. But I think, you know, to give you a very clear example, I was waking up at incredibly early hours in the morning to go work out, right? Mm -hmm. Like so many of us do when we're dealing with things like this. And that was not making me happy. Like I dreaded those like early wake ups. I was so tired. And, you know, I clearly knew that that was not something that was going to lead me to this happy place that I wanted to eventually be. So I made that decision. And I really like how you kind of highlighted that. We all have this decision. We all have the ability to choose recovery. And yeah, it's like a scary choice. And totally, like I was not like 100% super confident that, yeah, this is what I need to do. And it's not like I never looked back, right? I definitely had those days feeling like, am I doing the right thing? All of those sorts of thoughts and, you know, days of reflection and things like that. But yeah, essentially living in alignment is getting really clear on who you are, where you're going, how you want to feel when you are there, right? Or how you want to feel just in your life right now. And then really making sure that whatever you're doing right now is allowing you to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of a very basic way of describing what living in alignment is. I love that. And you know, making those choices to live in alignment usually also are aligned with self-love and learning how to love yourself and taking care of yourself. And that kind of brings me to the concept of your inner child. And so I'm curious about how you came across inner child work and also how can you explain this to people listening? Because I think this is a concept that is talked about a lot, but for those of you you listening who have never heard of it might sound a little foreign. So I think Meg is the perfect person to kind of explain this. Thank you. Yeah. So 
actually when I was quite young going through eating disorder recovery I think that was like the first time I was introduced to some type of inner child healing without it being like labeled as inner child healing you know I was working with a therapist at the time and they had me do a very like classic inner child healing practice where she wanted me to find a picture of myself when I was a child and a picture that I really loved of myself when I was young, right? So I went back into my mom's stash and found like one of my favorite pictures of when I was really young. I think I would have been about four. I really loved when I was four for whatever reason. <laughs> I think it was like, you know, before school and I had all that freedom just to be me and all that stuff. So anyways, you find this picture of yourself and I just had to carry it with me all day, you know, and like wherever I went, if I was doing homework at the kitchen table, I would have this picture of myself when I was four years old. And the point of doing that was to kind of realize that you're still that young version of yourself, like that young version of yourself still resides within you. If you would treat that younger version of yourself with love and compassion and acceptance, then you should be treating yourself presently in that way, right? So that was like a very basic introduction to inner child healing. I, I can't even remember what age I was at that point, but like I said, that was kind of the first introduction without knowing this was like something called inner child healing, right? Yeah. Wow. And what then, a nice reminder yeah. for you to just carry around that photo every day. And that's something anyone can do right now. I think I'm going to do that now that I'm visiting home is find my mom's photos and take one home with me. You have to. Yeah, it was a really great practice for sure. And like I said, that was one of the first things that I ever did that is now, you know, I know is inner child healing. And then in 2018, I was really ready to, so I was recovered from anorexia. I no longer was dealing with orthorexia, but I still didn't have my period back. I was still dealing with hypothalamic amenorrhea. And there was something inside of me. I'm just like a very intuitive person. And I'm like, okay, like I don't have like these food issues anymore, right? I'm like a normal eater and I just feel fully recovered. But like there was still something within me that I knew I had to, like I knew I had like this inner healing that I still needed to do. And I came across a certification program as a spiritual coach from one of the women that I really wanted to be mentored by, Jessica Flanagan. And I started this spiritual coaching certification and that introduced me to a tool that I think is so important for eating disorder recovery. And I actually had never been introduced to it until 2018. And I was struggling with eating disorders since I was in 20 or when I was 10 years old. I forget that would have been like 2001, I guess. So I was introduced to self-forgiveness and that 
completely shifted my entire path and I guess probably like a year after being introduced to self-forgiveness I got my period back recovered from hypothalamic amenorrhea and now we're two years later now I'm so passionate about guiding women through this journey of learning how to love themselves and that includes building self-awareness or self-consciousness. So I help women do that. I help them build and use self-compassion because we all have this endless amount of self-compassion within us. I help them understand what self-acceptance is and we use tools of self-forgiveness. And self-forgiveness introduced like a whole other dimension of inner child healing to me and so essentially inner child healing is i'm sorry about penny she's she's done oh it's okay repeat what you were just saying about self-forgiveness and inner child work yeah so self-forgiveness introduced a whole other dimension of inner child healing to me So what inner child healing is, because I know this is like your question from way before. So inner child healing, we all have various inner children within us, right? Or these like past versions of ourselves within us. When we are growing up, we all have these like, we have thousands of experiences as children in certain situations, in any situation that we move through, we experience things in a way and in those situations, in those experiences, we create like decisions or understandings or thoughts and beliefs of like what is going on in that particular moment. Inner child healing, is us in the present day going back to those moments and reparenting those inner children within us, right? So we're really um, being a parent now, the parent that we didn't have in those moments where we need these like misunderstandings of the situations that we were in, right? So I know you, for an example, like you have many experiences as a child and you would have made a lot of decisions that aren't so true for you now, right? And, and we carry those decisions and those beliefs with us into adulthood, right? And for some of us, like both you and I, they can manifest and turn into eating disorders because we are carrying these like false beliefs with us. So inner child healing is basically the reparenting of those wounded children within us and giving them the compassion and the love and kind of like reframing those situations that we had in the past. Mm. I love that thought of reparenting and just being the parent that you never had or the, or what you wish your parents might have said. Maybe they were doing the best they could at the time. Maybe you had amazing parents, but they still didn't have the education or knowledge necessary to really 
bring you through that moment in a, in a way that helps you really process um, what was going on. So that's, that's so fascinating to me. And how would you suggest someone go in and reparent themselves? Is it through meditation or is it some other ways? How do they access that? Yeah, such a great question. So definitely meditation is such a great way to do inner child healing. You can do it through meditation or just simply bringing like awareness to those situations. Awareness seriously is so powerful. And I know in my own journey, you know, I've done some meditations and that's what helped me in some areas of my inner child healing. But then in other areas, honestly, just bringing awareness to a moment and bringing awareness to a belief that I made in that moment about what was happening around me, the simple like awareness of like, oh, I made that belief. And wow, like I'm still carrying that belief with me now. And me as a 29-year-old now, I know that belief is no longer true for me, right? So you can see how like that simple just awareness of the situation and the belief that you formed, just that simple awareness is so healing and you can actually just release through self-awareness. And then also coaching, right? Get having a coach and walking you through like a self-forgiveness clearing. So I help my clients go through those self-forgiveness statements, extremely beneficial. But yeah, those are some of the ways that we can do that inner child healing work and really going back to those situations and tending to that child within us giving them that love and compassion that they needed in those moments. So you were talking a lot about beliefs that are formed in those pivotal moments when you're a kid. Can you kind of point us to maybe a common belief that those with eating disorders may have formed as a child, or if you would like to speak about your own personal experience and how you were able to reparent that or how maybe as a collective belief ways we could reparent those thoughts yeah definitely um i'm an open book so i'm more than happy sharing like a personal experience of my own okay so just kind of going back to what you said about our parents like doing the best they could right i think that's so important to highlight. My parents, they're literally my best friends. They're the best parents I could have ever asked for. And by no means are they like the reason for my eating disorder at all, right? Um, And I just really want to highlight that because our parents are always doing their best, but we, we have these situations as children and like our minds aren't fully developed so we perceive things in a different way too right Mm -hmm. but for me one of the experiences that I had growing up my mom never had like food issues or anything like that so I was kind of different than a lot of my other friends who had eating disorders growing up you know they might be growing up in households with moms dieting and stuff like that and whenever i heard those stories when i was going through eating disorder recovery like i really couldn't 
relate to that. I was like, you know what? Like my mom, like she always had a healthy relationship with food. I have zero memories of my mom saying anything weird about food. Right. But my mom didn't um, feel super confident, like in her feminine body. Right. So embracing her curves and things like that wasn't something that I was really receiving from her, right? I I felt almost like I didn't have that permission. And again, it's not anything that she specifically said, but it was me as a child, how I perceived things back then. And I perceived that like, I didn't have the permission to love my curves and my soft spots and things like that, right? So I formed a belief that I had to look a certain way in order to feel like confident and love my body, mm-hmm. right? And so when my body wasn't looking the way that I had it like in my mind of how it should look, I was very uncomfortable with my body. Mm-hmm. So moving back to when I was doing a lot of this inner child healing and reparenting that child within me, I went back to those moments and I had to like find that version of myself who was developing that belief of like this area of my stomach, for an example, is just like a very like touchy subject for me. Like it's not, it's not one of those areas that I feel like I have the permission to love about myself. Right. And so I spent a lot of time with that Meg, that version of myself. And showing her that it was actually okay to love and accept and spend time with those parts of my body. And kind of like, this is honestly, it sounds kind of funny, but I was almost like pretending I was like that big sister that I didn't have. So I'm an only child. And what came really naturally to me was almost like pretending I was that big sister that I didn't have and showing her how she could be confident with like the soft spots and the curves and, you know, not having like a super flat stomach and things like that, like giving her that permission that she didn't have back then. And by doing that, I completely transformed the relationship I have with my body and you know, I gained a lot of weight through hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery. And I often get the question, like, how were you able to be so okay with your changes in your body? And hands down, Meg, like, that's my answer. I, you know, through that reparenting process. That is so beautiful. And I love the example of yourself, because I think it's really helpful for people to see you know, how those beliefs form and how to work with those beliefs because they can have amazing outcomes like you just really embracing your curves and your tummy and those soft spots that you didn't necessarily have permission to love as a kid. So that's really cool. I'm so glad you were able to share that. So thank you. Just to keep going with that, I know you've mentioned a lot about self-forgiveness. So did you apply any self-forgiveness tools to that belief about not having permission to love your curves and your soft spots? Or do you have another example of how self-forgiveness really helped you with your recovery and that inner child? 
Yeah, definitely. I think in all of those situations that we kind of have tender spots, like thinking back to, right, Mm -hmm. we form these beliefs that we're still carrying with us. And I think for many of us, because I work with a lot of clients that are kind of like still dealing with an eating disorder or like a remnants of an eating disorder, I like to say, and they just feel like they still have some things to let go of. And some really common ones are just like we as children start to believe that we won't be loved if we aren't, if we don't look a certain way, right? Like we, we won't be loved if we are fat, for an example, like for lack of a better word, like that's just a belief that so many of us form when we are like five, 10 years old right? I work with so many women and that belief always comes up is I like, and then you just have to forgive yourself. Like I forgive myself for believing and coaching yourself through that or working with a coach like myself who can really help you find those beliefs. Cause not all the time is it like easy to really pinpoint what beliefs you developed in those certain times in your life but yeah that would be an example of one that a lot of women need to kind of bring to the surface and use self-forgiveness for to move on from that wow self-forgiveness it's such an interesting subject because it definitely builds self-compassion and it also offers a huge release I'm imagining, and I know that I've done this before, is like writing a for like a kind of like forgiveness letter to yourself. Is that something you recommend? Do you have tools like that that you usually do? Yeah, definitely. So a self-forgiveness letter is a beautiful tool. Um, you touched on self-compassion, Meg, and I actually have a free self-compassion like journal sheets um, on my website. So I have a bunch of freebies on my website. So you could just go to megdoll.com slash freebies. And I actually have a free inner child healing journey. It's four weeks long. It's totally free. And it will guide you through four different inner child healing practices And then, like I said, I have that self-compassion journal. So I really like that tool if you are wanting to kind of work more so on the way you think and like your mindset and kind of how you move through life that way. Very cool. I definitely encourage everyone to go check those freebies out because Meg seriously knows what she's talking about when it comes to this stuff. I can just tell that this really helped heal you. And I'm sure you've helped so many people heal through this kind of modality of inner child work. What advice do you have to give to people who've never connected with their inner child before? Ooh, I think that first example that I gave you before, you know, if you do have a picture of yourself as a child, Every single client of mine tells me how beneficial that is because you kind of like forget about yourself as that child, right? And we start treating ourselves just in a very like 
nasty way. <laughs> but when you think of yourself as a child and see yourself with eyes of compassion, and then you actually start treating yourself with compassion and love. But if you're not someone who has access to a picture of yourself as a child, because I do have clients in that situation as well, I would just more so lean on meditation in those situations and kind of like close your eyes, visualize yourself as a child, and you can literally do this every morning and just hold that vision of yourself as a child. And again, bringing that awareness that like that's still you and you still deserve all of that love and compassion, even as you are right now, no matter how old you are, right? I love that. It's so true. Whenever I think about my inner child, she's not like who I am now. Some, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like my inner child's very cautious and like nervous, um, but so loving and mm -hmm. so adorable and sweet and kind. Oh, makes me like tear up thinking about how sweet she is. And like, whenever I go into meditation with my inner child and I talk to her and I hold her and I like love her, it almost gets me in touch with my inner essence as a person. Cause I'm like, wow, like I forgot about this part of me. I forgot about the side of me. And so it's really cool to learn that you can build a sense of self-compassion and self-love by realizing all of this love I have for this inner version of me is actually love for myself that I can use now as an adult. Yeah, I know. It is so amazing. I know I was just recently thinking about, like, I'm still very, like, creative and have, like, a really good imagination right now. But, man, when I was a child, I had, like, the wildest imagination. Like, it was amazing. And... I just like often feel like, okay, I need to spend like a whole day, you know, reconnecting with that part of myself because it was so much fun just being so imaginative like that. That's so exciting. It's so true. Like there's parts of us that were little that maybe aren't so strong as they are, you know, as they were back then, like your creativity. And so you tapping into that younger version of yourself is also a way to tap into creativity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I loved it when I was a kid. Um, I used to like, this is so weird. This comes up almost all the time. I always think about how I would collect rocks and so did I. I would, I would collect rocks and smash them and search for like sparkles and like the beauty within the rock. I, kid you not this is like a very prominent childhood memory and I always am curious about that like what part of me really loved discovery and surprises and like rocks you know like yeah. it's just so interesting and I'm an earth sign so I know I'm like there's a lot of earth in my charts and stuff but there was like there's so much to learn when you look back at your younger self yes totally oh my gosh I was totally there with you <laughs> the whole rock collecting um funny story I actually so we have like a cabin at the lake and I found this rock I must have been I don't know like five and I came across this rock and it was a big rock like 
the size of my head, Mm -hmm. but it was kind of orange with these black stripes. So I thought I called it a tiger rock. And I was so determined that like, I wanted that rock because it was a tiger rock. And my dad actually dug it up for me. So there was like this huge hole in the road, (laughs) but we still have that rock. And I it totally doesn't look like a tiger now that I look at it. But man, when I was five years old, I thought that rock looked exactly like a tiger. <laughs> That's so magical, you know, yeah. like, I bet you, God, you could learn so much about yourself just from that little anecdote. Yeah. And also about how cool your dad was, because like, how nice of him to dig that up for you and keep it in your family home <laughs> after that. Yeah, they have it in their garden. Like I said, my parents are the best. (laughs) Wow, Meg, this has been such an amazing talk. And I'm definitely going to, I'd love to have you on a show again down the road. I feel like that offers so much. And I know you already mentioned your website, but just to reiterate, where can everyone listening find you? Yeah, so my website is megdoll.com, M-E-G-D-O-L-L.com. And then those freebies were megdoll.com slash freebies. And you were also on my podcast, the Unbreakable You podcast. You can all listen to Meg and I again in the episode that we did not too long ago. Yay. Thank you so much, Meg. I super appreciate you as a person. And I appreciate you taking the time to just share your wisdom with us today. And um, yeah, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your night. You too, Meg. Thank you so much.